it turned it's into a mind-blowing lecture. Okay. Now, what does that tell us? By Billy it tells Carson us that and always want to find technology like Emerald this and then see how they can thought. actually weaponize it. So DARPA revealed yeah. their avatar program. The Defense Advanced Research Projects DARPA. Agency, or DARPA, is an agency in the United States Department of Defense responsible for the development of emerging technologies for use by the military. According to Sebastian Anthony of Extra, extra sorry, Extreme Tech News, the avatar goal... Billy Carson, with a semi-autonomous bipedal machine and allow it to act as the soldier's surrogate. So what they're saying here is they're going to create uh, a symbiotic consciousness Star link from a soldier that could be in a Billy bunker Carson. somewhere underneath Emerald a mountain. Tablets. But he's consciously going to be symbiotically connected spiritually uh, through his consciousness to a, a field robot that is a military field robot that's in battle whether it's on the ground whether it's in the air wherever it is and so they will control this this robot through their conscious link and that way if the robot is destroyed in battle the link is severed and the and the uh, uh and the um the soldier is still alive that's what they're doing okay Dropper wants to develop the walking Dropper wants to develop the walking equivalent of an unarmed aerial vehicle, a bipedal robot drone, where the controlling soldier is hundreds or even thousands of miles away from the war front, using a consciousness link. Okay? Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting, guys. So what is this telling you? We're talking about the fact that <laughs> this halls of immensity and this transfer of consciousness it's a realistic concept. So if you hear this ancient text and you don't know about the technology part that's going on right now in this era, and you hear somebody talk, these these ancient beings were talking about transferring their conscience. Now that's way out there, I man. That's that's psychobabble. Oh really? Well let's open up the science books because right now there's theoretical physicists and scientists and biologists working on this today and they've already achieved it with, with the monkey. Transferred the monkey into a computer. So what are we talking about? We're talking about reality all of a sudden. We're talking about real science all of a sudden. We're talking about understanding that you can take a person's mind and move it around from place to place and keep it uh, consistent, keep it the same, keep it the same exact frequency, which makes that particular consciousness uh, what we consider to be a unique individual, right? And so... This is powerful stuff because we're seeing now that the only thing that has slowed us down to this point was storage capacity. The ability to, to take all that information from one's consciousness and store it on a device that can then move it from place to place. Well, now we've already overcome that issue with storage capacity, whereby we used to have an issue with being able to store large amounts of data. All of a sudden, that problem is gone. We have DNA hard drives now. A DNA hard drive. A DNA drive the size of my cell phone can store thousands of petabytes. A phone this size can probably store the information contained on every person's mind in the entire planet. That's how much storage capacity it, it, it would have. Compactified uh, biological uh, semiconductors with a DNA hard drive built into it. Storage capacity is is, is ridiculous. It's almost unlimited.
you have, you stack these together, you stack a few of these together. These let's say these are all let's say these are all memory cells, storage cells. All of a sudden, you can store everything that exists in the entire solar system on those three phones. If, it, if that was the DNA hard drive, DNA hard drive is the wave of the future. You connect the DNA hard drive now to a quantum computer, which we're now developing and have a few of them in test mode. You combine the quantum computer with the DNA storage capacity, and all of a sudden, you have the capacity to do teleportation. You have the capacity, you know, beam me up, Scotty. Uh, transfer of consciousness. All these things become instantaneously possible. You know, uh, uh, sentient spacecraft that can fly, that have feelings and emotions and everything else. I mean, the, 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 the probabilities are totally endless. But the fact is, these beings were doing this back over 36,000 years ago. They literally were creating avatar bodies, and then they were inhabiting them, and then they would walk amongst men, but unlike a man. And you'd be talking to them, and, and you wouldn't even know you were talking to somebody that wasn't even from this planet. Just like the man that fell to Earth, that new show on Amazon that just came out. Uh, it's an amazing series. you, you got to watch it. It's the newest version of the man that fell to Earth. It's an old classic, but what they did was they said, okay, let's remake this. And so they have a, an amazing actor. He's, very, he's got a very hard name to pronounce. Um, the black guy from uh, Doctor Strange. He was... Um, Initially, he was Doctor Strange's mentor in the first Doctor Strange, right? Uh, his name is very hard to pronounce. He's been in a lot of movies. He's been in the movies with Denzel Washington and everybody else. Great actor. Uh, however, he is now an alien from outer space. Uh, and it's written in a way where it's, um, it's, it's a whole new way of understanding an alien, understanding space travel, understanding what a spacesuit is, because the spacesuit looks like a human being. That's his spacesuit. His spacesuit looks makes him look like he's a human being. Right down to the eyeballs, the, the skin, the nose, everything. Mannerisms, the whole, the whole, the whole thing. His spacesuit is actually an avatar. Pretty cool stuff. So, you know, it's a living, it's a living, it's a living exterior suit. And underneath it is his real self. Pretty incredible. But you gotta check it out. The man that fell to earth. It's uh, I think it's an Amazon Prime original series. You gotta try. I think it have eight or nine episodes out right now. Um, so check it out. But let me see if I can pull up something else here. Now, what's interesting is, right here, I'm inside of Ramsey's II tomb. And you can see what a regular tomb looks like. Right there behind me was uh, the sarcophagus, which had the mummy in it. Let's see if I can get it come back here. Hold on. I'm kind of moving the camera all around. Right there behind me. You can kind of see in the corner. It's not as big as these, what I was showing you over here. These are super massive, super massive. Let me see if I can get a, another shot here of one of these suckers. Hold on. Let's check this out. Slides. All right. Here is another one. You see how tight that is in there? This 80 ton, um, this 80 ton rejuvenation chamber you can't even turn the corner to get it in there if you did find a way to get it down that deep and down the hall to get it turned into that corner you wouldn't be able to do it you just couldn't do it and you can't make it down there because to make granite top and a bottle a granite top and bottle of that size and that magnitude 
you would need uh, a piece of granite probably the size of the room I'm sitting in, probably a 35 by 50 uh, room. Just a, a granite would need to be that big and that massive to carve it down to the size that's here. So before I get there, let me show you, see if this video has to play here. y'all are going to get a chance to come to the halls of Aventia with me uh and that's going to be in october of 2022 that trip was sold out we have another one coming october 2023 if you want to go to that trip i'll type the link in here um egypt tour i'll drop Everyone it in the chat for you do what you, go to want. 2023, you want to do have you ever had a dream uh, 2023, I'm going to link for you right now, in case. You can do what you want, you want to do, do what you want, you want to do. Forbidden tour. All right. Like I said, guys, you know, like you know, guys, I go to these places in person. I don't, <laughs> I'm not one of these online YouTube researchers. I actually get, I go out there in person. I go interact with the indigenous people. I get with the sages, the bushmen. Yeah, me too. I get with the pyramid priests. I get with the, I get with directly with the people. I go talk to the people. I sat with Aboriginal elders in the middle of the outback in Australia. I go get with the people that have the real knowledge. I don't want to hear about I saw it on the YouTube. I don't want to hear about I saw it on this thing or no, I want to go and I'm going to go get the information for you guys and I'm going to go in person and I'm going to bring back the wisdom. That's how I do it. Because not everybody is going to get a chance to go to these places. Not everybody can get a chance to do this. It could be either financial situation. It could be work situation. It could be relationship situation. It could be uh, health situation. There's many reasons why people can't get out to some of these places. So I make it my business while I have the capability to move around this planet and maneuver around this planet and travel in those places to go get the real yeah, information. Too. Right? We just Go get it. climbed down about I climbed 1.5 miles through the bent pyramid. On this here, I'm actually ascending up to an upper chamber, but uh, a lot of it was Hi, on the darling. descending. And uh, a lot of it was hand and toes. Uh, bear crawl. Bear crawled 1.5 miles inside of this pyramid through all kind of shafts 
in chambers uh, you wouldn't believe. So, um, incredible place. Whoever has enough strength when you guys come with me in October, if you have enough strength and you, you have enough resilience because crawling for 1.5 miles is not easy. <laughs> And so you got to be in shape. And so if you can't, you'll just take pictures on the outside and come to the front entrance of the actual first of the big shaft. Take a lot of great photos. Some people will get a chance to go down inside the vent pyramid with me, uh, and we'll go take a journey uh, into the into the vent into the depths of the vent pyramid, and then we'll climb inside the interior shafts. I know the way to the apex on the inside of the pyramid. It's an amazing. Now the vent pyramid is actually a diagnostics tool like an MRI machine. It's very similar to a CAT scan type of a machine. It's a machine. The vent pyramid is a machine. It's not what people think it is. It's an actual diagnostic tool to diagnose illnesses and injuries in human beings. And it creates a resonant frequency on the inside and there's a, a place that the physician would stand at the top, which I would take you to, and he would look over from there and he would be able to see a holographic image of the of the person and then be able to see exactly what was wrong with them. It creates the resonance inside of here, depending on where you put the person and the amount of water you add, uh, and the ratio, the frequency, the cymatic frequency ratio, that two to one frequency ratio that it has, it creates a harmonic resonance that then a resonance with the subatomic structure of the vibrating atoms in your body, which then creates an actual hologram for the position at the top to see exactly what's wrong with you. Pretty interesting stuff. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of cool stuff going on um, in, in Egypt. But the halls of Amenti are real. They've been discovered, and I found one that we can actually even get access to. A lot of people wouldn't call it that until they until they understand the, the history behind what it is and what and what's been told by the mainstream lie to cover it up that it's been used to bury bulls. There's no bulls in there. These things are pristine, clean. There's no bull bones inside of these <laughs> these massive things. And you wouldn't even need one that large anyway. In most cases, to put the bull in. Pretty, pretty interesting. And again, to get them in there, you have to materialize them in there. You can't move them in there. Now, oh, let me say that. Oh, I want to go to this image here. Let me go back to the PowerPoint for a second because I want to show you guys something amazing in the halls of Amenti. Let's go back. Right here, if you can see this, um, I know the image is a little small here because it's a narrow, upright image, but where my hand is, I'm in back of one of the alcoves. I'm inside of one of the halls, so in back of the actual sarcophagus. Now this, it's really a rejuvenation chamber. Now this one is the only one that even the priests that guard it will tell you that it has uh, stargates on it, rectangular stargates. On every single side, there's rectangular stargates. So that my hand is actually touching one of the inscriptions which represents a gate. But also what it's touching, it's touching solid granite that's warped. Warped as if an energy signature hit it and somehow uh, modified or changed the atomic structure of the granite, allowing it to warp and bend without cracking. Now, I don't know if you understand 
granite and how hard <laughs> granite is and how 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 tough it is to even form it or shape it into these amazing shapes but then to be they able to even to have anything that can dent and warp granite as if it was as if it was fluid now what's interesting about this in front of me where you can't see the where, the where the person is standing that took this photo there is a there's a uh, a wall in the back of that hall now that wall has a has a gigantic opening in it that you can see has been something something energetic came through it and formed this opening that came through it that beam that came through the back wall of that hall is what hit this sarcophagus this rejuvenation chamber and actually warped it, warped solid granite. I don't know if you understand. I wish I could make some sense. You can't warp granite. You cannot do this. You just can't. It would it would crack and break before it warped like this. It's wavy as if it turned into liquid. Okay. Now, what does that tell us? It tells us that an energetic beam of some type, an exotic energy beam, came through that back wall and hit this rejuvenation sample. Now, both talks about having the capability of going into his underground chambers and traveling from place to place, not only on Earth, but even other places. And so he has these portals. I remember I went to Tula, Mexico. I think it was 2015, I was in Tula, and I went to his, uh, one of his homes, he has actually several homes. This was a, his house was a pyramid, of course, and then on top are Toltec, but underneath he lived inside. But in the back, there was a stargate, a rectangular stargate, just like these, and the indigenous people there, and even the guys that he would walk into that, 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 that fake door and stand there and then stand where would he reappear? Places like this in the Hall of Lamentis. Imagine he's coming back and he's coming to this hall, or, or his dad, Enki's coming to this Hall of Lamentis, uh, Hall of Lamentis, and the portal opens up, and it actually, the energetic beam from the portal over this, this, uh, this stable wormhole uh, creates some type of energetic beam that breaks through the back hall and then hits this uh, hits this uh, rejuvenation chamber and it actually warps 80 tons of granite like it was just butter. Incredible. Incredible stuff. Looking forward to you guys coming with me. Whoever's coming with me, you're going to be blessed because these are amazing things that less than one, one, less than one tenth of one percent of the planet, first of all, even know this exists. And less than one percent, one, less than one tenth of one percent of those people will ever have a chance to walk in here and touch it. Okay? We're talking about a finite amount number of people based on the 8 billion uh, you know, population on Earth will ever get to see this and actually touch it with their own hands. Alright, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Um, and then also, guys, don't forget, coming up, I have a UFO hunt. So, I have a UFO hunt where myself and Jimmy Church have hunted for UFOs before and have documented them, recorded them, and uploaded videos of them. And it's a very stable location to consistently find UFOs. So we're going on a very special UFO hunt September 16th through 18th. And it's for forbidden knowledge black card holders only. You have to be a black card holder. How do you become a black card holder? You have to mint 10 NFTs. We have right now, I think, six black card NFT holders coming on this trip. 
but to do that, you got to go to 4bettingclub.com with the number 4, 4bettingclub.com, and you have to mint 10 NFTs, and then you screenshot those NFTs on your MetaMask wallet, and you email them to business at 4bettingknowledge.com so we can send out your black card. We just sent the black card out today. So I'm going to tell you here in the chat, guys, HTTP colon slash slash forbiddenclub.com so you get your NFTs. Mint 10. I'm a black card holder. After you do that, you're going to email business at forbiddenknowledge.com. Screenshot of your NFTs. Get your black card out and we'll get you a special invite to come join us on the UFO hunt. Didn't cost you any money. You just got to get there uh, and get to your hotel. So we're going to take you on a very special trip into the desert and we're going to show you some UFOs. We're going to bring some very high-tech equipment with us. It's going to allow us to see in different wavelengths of light. And we're going to record these as well. It's going to be a great event. So you don't want to miss it, okay? It's going to be an amazing weekend. All right? It's the forbidden UFO hunt for NFT black card holders only. It'll be myself and Jimmy Church out there. We'll be your guides in the desert. And that's the desert in California. It's an amazing place. All right? Don't miss out on that, guys. Um, Also, if you haven't invested in forbidden knowledge yet, this is your last chance to invest in round two. I think my logo is covering the number two. You can scan this QR code. I'll drop the link for you right now. We had a lot of people. We went live talking about this. Yesterday. We had over 260 people contact us, begging us to uh, allow them to invest. They didn't. They missed the opportunity to invest, and they didn't get a chance to do it, so forth and so on. And um, one lady was crying. I know a few other people were really somber about it. As they're getting that much of a response, they said, "Okay, we um, we filed for an extension to open it back up." Cool. And uh, it's open up for only a, for a short period of time. And it closes, guys, it closes. We'll be moving on to round three. So a lot of people just didn't have the money yet to, to, to buy shares. So we opened it back up for the people to give you another chance, one last chance at a dollar fifty a share before we move into round three. What a bargain. Uh, obviously, you know, who don't, if you don't know about this, we are going public next year. We're going yeah. to NASDAQ. We're shooting for NASDAQ. We're going to uplift. We're going to go from a Reg CF to a Reg A plus next. That'll be our round three. And then from there, we're going to uplift, and uh, we're shooting for NASDAQ first, the second quarter of 2023. And at that point, which those shares will be tradable on the stock exchange. You don't got to be a genius to figure this one out, guys. It's an opportunity of a lifetime. So, uh, you know, I'm going to drop the link in the chat. If you have the opportunity to do it, make sure you do it. It's your last chance to get in on round two. Last chance is round two. I'll drop the link one more time for you guys. Or you can go to forbiddenknowledge.com slash invest. If you're listening to this audio somewhere, forbiddenknowledge.com with the number four dot com slash invest. Or just go to forbiddenknowledge.com and click on the invest link and read the whole proposal, read the whole uh, perspective, download the offering statement, read everything, get all the information, it's all public knowledge, publicly available. Our valuation was $20 million, it went to $30 million, and now uh, we're under a brand new uh, CPA audit now to see where it's going to end up as we try to uplift into this uh, Reggae Plus, which will be our round three, and then we're moving into 
uh, an uplifting to NASDAQ. So a lot of great things going on over here at Forbidden Knowledge TV. Forbidden Knowledge Inc. You don't want to miss out. If you don't have this book, I'm telling you guys, you want to get it. Compendium of the Emerald Tablet. Alright, Compendium of the Emerald you don't want to miss out on this opportunity. The book is still a bestseller for a reason. It's a bestseller in five countries for a reason. A lot of great information in this book. I can sit here and talk to you for hours and hours and hours just going through three or four pages. Okay? A lot of great reviews on this book from a lot of big-name people. George Nuri from Coast to Coast AM. Billy Carson is an amazing researcher that I have admired for a very long time. There we go. Here he goes Eric Von Damme. I am so impressed with your work research. It's a pleasure. Best-selling author, Chariots of the Gods. I'm getting ready to go meet Eric Von Damme again. again. He's obviously a friend of mine, but I'm going to go visit with him in Switzerland next week. Um, and just so many other great uh, uh, you know, reviews that are actually in the book and tons of them online. I think there's 16 or 1,700 five-star reviews on Amazon, all right? Uh, so if you don't have the book, you want to get the book. It's an amazing book, not just because I wrote it, but because the information really truly is uh, enlightening. And the more you read it, the more enlightened you become. Even myself, I go through it myself, and I see more and more things that I didn't realize the last time. And I'm probably on three or four hundred times passing through this thing. So we're talking about a lot of wisdom, a lot of understanding, a lot of amazing uh, ancient wisdom and esoteric teachings that are really on the cusp of ascension knowledge. It can, it can help a person get from here to here in a very short period of time, depending on how they apply themselves. I'm going to type it in here now in the chat, compendium of the Emerald Tablet. the link for you. You take advantage of it and make a great gift as well. Book is the bestseller in five countries. Number two in the United States. Number four in the UK. Uh, it's like number eight or nine in, uh, in Japan. I think it's number six in Sweden. It's number uh, number 14 in Canada. I mean, it's crazy. People love this book, and people who don't even know who I am. Why? Because the information is so enlightening, and so it's so deep. And the more you go into it, the deeper it gets, but the more avenues of enlightenment open up in your mind, okay? You just have to get this book. Before I sign out today, I'm going to read the preface one more time here, a preface of the book. And then I got to go and get my dinner. And I got to continue back to my work that I was doing. By the way, Jimmy Church wrote the forward to this book. Thank you, Jimmy Church. Jimmy Church, JimmyChurchRadio.com. Let's see here. Where's my... Uh... I don't do this book so many times. Tore some of the pages out of. I think it is. Yeah. It's hot in here. Really. 
Okay, hold on, guys. I'm just trying to get to the exact one I want to start with. I ripped pages out of that book. I was making a, I was scanning images in, scanning images of the pages in for somebody. <laughs> Let me pull it up over here on my uh, computer for my actual document file. And then I'm going to read through it real quick for you guys. You guys are learning something. It's a lot of information. It's a lot of information. It's so much. It can be overwhelming, but if you really take the time to sit down and try to absorb the knowledge and try to understand it by taking the time to break down information in there, meditate on it, and then research, even if it's one line at a time, research one paragraph at a time. Take the time to really truly seek the wisdom and the knowledge. You'll find that uh, it's pretty it's pretty incredible, the story that we're talking about here. Ancient people from tens of thousands of years ago um, actually, you know, interacting and engaging mankind and leaving behind these ancient accounts of information that really truly almost kind of defy, you know, what we think is, it could be possible, you know? I'm going to read the preface to you guys. <clears throat> the history of the tablets translated in the following pages is strange and beyond the belief of modern scientists. Their antiquity is stupendous, dating back from 36,000 years BC. The writer is Thoth, the Atlantean priest king, who founded a colony in ancient Egypt after the sinking of the mother country. He was the builder of the Great Pyramid of Giza, erroneously attributed to Cheops. In it, he incorporated his knowledge of the ancient wisdom. Sorry, also, he securely secreted records and instruments of Atlantis. For some 16,000 years, he ruled the ancient race of Egypt from approximately 52,000 BC to 36,000 BC. That's 14,000 years he ruled, guys. At that time, the ancient barbarous race, among which he and his followers had settled, had been raised to a high degree of civilization. Thoth was an immortal in that he had conquered death, passing only when he willed, and even then, not through death. His vast wisdom made him ruler of the vast Atlantean colonies. You see, Atlantis was not just a ring city on the Atlantic Ocean. Atlantis was a global civilization on Earth. The ring city was just one capital of dozens of capitals that existed on Earth at the same exact time. Just so you know. People say, where's Atlantis? It's right under our feet. No matter where you are on Earth, you're on the top of Atlantis. Everyone right now is on top of Atlantis. We all are. We're sitting on top of it. We're standing on top of it right now. <clears throat> His vast wisdom made him ruler of the various Atlantean colonies, including the ones in South and Central America. When the time came for him to leave Egypt, he erected the Great Pyramid over the entrance to the Great Halls of Amenti, placed in it his records and appointed guards for his secrets from among the high priests of his people. In later times, the descendants of these guards became the pyramid priests, by which Thoth was deified as a god of wisdom. So Thoth didn't call himself a god. These pyramid priests, after, you know, generations of them, maybe two generations later, 
a primitive priest. You kind of brought born into it that title, that job. Uh, those had gone, left, went somewhere, gone for some time, for a human standard, some time. And so the people then deified. You see how we do this? We always want to make somebody into a god. Right away, oh, he's a god. He's a, he's a, he's a god. No, he's just a man with advanced knowledge. The recorder by those in the age of darkness, which followed in its passing, in legend, the halls of immensity became the underworld, the halls of the gods, where the soul passed at the death for judgment. You see how the Egyptians got their whole... The whole teachings that we get now in mainstream, uh, mainstream media, mainstream TV shows about the ancient Egyptians is that they're going into the underworld and they're, they're putting themselves in tombs so they can travel into the, the solar boat, into the underworld and all this kind of stuff. It all came from the Emerald Tower. But it came by basically the people twisting the information and then saying this is what it meant when it actually it didn't mean that. During the later ages, the ego of Tho, that's his consciousness, passed into the bodies of men in the manner described in the tablets. As such, he incarnated three times, and his last being known as Hermes, the thrice born. In this incarnation, he left the writings known, as, known to modern occultists as the Emerald Tablet, a later and far lesser exposition of the ancient mysteries. These are an exposition of the ancient mysteries. That's why they're so powerful. The tablets translated in this work are ten which were left in the Great Pyramid in the custody of the Pyramid Priests. The ten are divided into thirteen parts for the sake of convenience. The last two are so great and far-reaching in their import that at present it is forbidden to release them to the world at large. Well, since that time, I was able to get those last two. And guess where they're located, guys? They're in the compendium of the Emerald Tablet. They're in my book. However, in those contained therein are secrets which will provide ineffable value and for the serious student. But now a word as to how these mighty secrets came to be revealed to the modern man after being hidden so long. Some 1300 years BC, uh, in ancient Egypt, an ancient Kim was in turmoil and the many delegations of priests were sent to other parts of the world. Among these were some of the pyramid priests who carried with them the Emerald Tablets as a talisman by which they could exercise authority over the less advanced priestcraft and races of descendants uh, after the Atlantean colony. So they used the, they used the Emerald Tablets as a form of power to dominate over people. They already twisted it. You see how they twisted it already? They took the knowledge and wisdom inside the tablets and used it to dominate people because they realized how much power it had. The tablets were understood from legend to give the bearer of authority. So sorry, the, the tablets were understood from legends to give the bearer authority from soul. The particular group of priests being the tablets, the particular group of priests bearing the tablets, I'm sorry, I'm tired and hungry, emigrated to South America where they found a flourishing race, the Mayas, who remembered much of the ancient wisdom. Among these, the priests settled and remained, and in the 10th century, the Mayas had thoroughly settled the Yucatan, and the tablets were placed beneath the altar of one of the great temples of the sun gods. After the conquest of the Mayas, the Spaniards, by the Spaniards, the cities were abandoned and the treasures of these temples forgotten. It should be understood that the Great Pyramid of Egypt has been and still is the temple of initiation into the mysteries. That's why it's so important to go into the Great Pyramid. That's why we're going into the Great Pyramid when I take everyone there this October. We're going to go into it. It's part of the initiation process into the Great Mysteries. Jesus, Solomon, 
colonists and others were initiated there. The writer, who has a connection with the Great Lodge, which also works through the Pyramid Priesthood, was instructed to recover and return the great, uh, return them to the Great Pyramid in the ancient tablets. So they they sent this guy Doriel to go back to Mesoamerica, to to Mexico, Yucatan, and collect these tablets and bring them back to Egypt where they belong. This, after adventures which need not be detailed here, were accomplished. Before returning them, he was given permission to translate and retain a copy of the wisdom engraved in the tablets. This was done in 1925, and only now has permission been given for parts to be published. It is expected that many will scoff, yet the true student will read between the lines and gain wisdom. If the light is in you, the light which is engraved in these tablets will respond. If the light is in you, the light which is engraved in these tablets will respond. Now a word as to the material aspect of the tablets. They consist of 12 tablets of emerald green formed from a substance created through alchemical transmutation. They are imperishable, resistant to all elements and substances. In effect, the atomic and cellular structure is fixed, no change ever taking place. In this respect, they violate the material law of ionization. Upon them are engraved characters in the ancient Atlantean language, characters which respond to the attuned thought waves, releasing the associated mental vibration in the mind of the reader. The tablets are fastened together with hoops of golden colored alloy suspended from a rod of the same material. So much for the material appearance. The wisdom contained therein is the foundation of the ancient mysteries. And for the one who reads with open eyes and open mind, his wisdom shall be increased a hundredfold. Read, believe or not, but read. And the vibration found therein will awaken a response in your soul. Powerful stuff, guys. Powerful stuff. All right. Thanks for hanging out with me this evening. Amazing. Uh, great talk. The compendium talk. of the Emerald Tablets, the secrets of the halls of Amenti, they're real, they exist. They weren't. Exclamation points. Just one halls of Amenti, there were many. Each particular ancient god, which were really these Anunnaki Atlantean people, they had their own halls. And in those halls, they would create their own clone bodies, and then they would transfer their consciousness into body after body after body, giving them the illusion to people, to human beings, that they were immortal, when in true reality, they just had advanced technology. Something that we're working on now, today, in our current society, as I told you, and as I read through some of the uh, current projects that are going on with learning how to do the same exact thing, and some of, the, some of the success that we've already had. We're moving in the same exact direction of rediscovering 
ancient technology that already has existed for many eons, probably even for millions of years, we're just now catching up. All right? The human beings are really the new kids on the block. Homo sapiens, us, we're the new kids on the block. We just got here. We've been on this planet for less than a blink of an eye. And in less than 100 uh, years, we went from a horse buggy and carriage to putting remote control cars on Mars. So we have the capability of moving very fast and very rapidly because innately we have that level of consciousness and that level of technology already encoded into our DNA. It's just now awakening. And you can see the explosion of technology on the planet because of the awakening of that, uh, of that technological mindset that we have. It's already it's encoded into us. And it really is all just fractals. Everything we create in the physical form is just a fractal of what, of what exists in the spiritual form. We just find a way to create it in a way that we can manipulate it uh, easier without having to really tap into our true divine knowledge and wisdom. It's almost, a, it's almost a lazy way out. All right. But anyway, guys, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for everyone that has ordered a book. And thank you to everyone that brings the books when I go speak at conferences and lectures for me to sign. I'll be releasing the Forbidden Tour of Egypt. Uh, the Forbidden Tour. Sorry, <laughs> doing that already. The Forbidden World Tour, where I'll be going to uh, several states in the, in the U.S. and several countries. And when that schedule comes out, if you're able to attend, please bring your book, and I'll be able to sign your book for you in person. We'll take a nice photo. Right. Guys, thanks a lot for spending time Another with me tonight. It's time for me to eat my food and get back to work, all right? I love you guys. I appreciate y'all. Thank you for all those donations. Another mind-blowing... Um... <clears throat> And rides guaranteed, guaranteed. How do you detox your pineal gland? Hmm. The Alpha Omega, how can you miss this? Remarkable discovery of the Alpha Omega of the King's Chamber sarcophagus. Hmm. Mars Mer Mysteries and the Secret Space Program, Billy Carson. Ooh. <laughs> We're giving away these oh $1,000 gold bills Connold. for free. Connolds. And who's that handsome guy on each bill? That's who's right, that the man that will make this country great once bill. again. I have to say, they look fantastic, don't they? They're perfect who's for patriots like you to collect or maybe give away as gifts, Tiny. especially for those confused folks who love Joe. Regardless, we're giving them a... Regardless. I'm trying to be funny. 
that's uh, that's a fucking worst criminal in um, human history trying to be funny. still shroud the truth about Mars, our own moon, and even a secret space program that's been developed in the shadows of society. Tonight, I'm joined by Billy Carson, where we're going to dive deep into the truth about Mars and what NASA's holding back to society. Billy, you've appeared on some big shows, such as Coast to Coast AM, Gaia TV with the secret space program, and even the Anunnaki series with me and Gerald Clark. I just want to yeah. tell you, it's a, it's a great honor to have you here tonight. Um, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, fantastic, man. I appreciate the opportunity just to be here and, and that you actually, you know, considered me for this uh, mini documentary. It's great. Well, I mean, there's, there's no one I could, I could better um, think of for discussing the secret space program and Mars and all the things we're going to go through. So what's new with you, Billy? Are you doing any new projects? Oh, a lot of new projects, man, all the time. <laughs> Um, so far, we have just released season two of uh, Deep Space. Uh, season one was a big hit uh, last year with Gaia TV. And now we have uh, season two out. And the first four episodes have already aired. I think it's phenomenal. Uh, it's really uh, eye an eye-opening. Even when I watch it, I feel like I'm learning something watching. You know, And I was in, you know, heavily involved in the research for the, for the project. But even when I watch it, I'm like, oh, wow some more stuff so it's pretty pretty good it's an all-star cast as well which is phenomenal. um and then also i'm in ancient civilizations on gaia which is another which is a totally new original series that this is the first season season number one uh and uh, melissa tittle is the producer she was also the producer over at ancient aliens and uh, she, she she was also the producer on deep space season one as well she's done a phenomenal job on ancient civilizations and i'm really excited about this um this series delves deep into the nature of reality, which is one of my you know favorite topics. Uh, so it's really interesting, and even again, when I watch it, I actually feel like I'm learning from watching it. A lot of stuff going on. Well, I, I mean, I guess to say you're busy is kind of an understatement, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm working on my book. I'm trying to get my book completed before I get to and I just literally before you we got on, the reason why we were a little bit late getting on this uh, this call was because Donnie Arcade, our top artist, just released his album. Actually, just officially showed up in the system, uh, which is called uh, "Go See the World," the prequel to Enki. Stuff. Yeah, it's a really it's a really nice album. Uh, it's gonna be phenomenal. I think it's gonna teach people a lot. And we're also kind of fun at the same time. We go into the chakra system. We go into a lot of a lot of great stuff. Well, Billy, it's it's an honor to have you here tonight. Now we're gonna we're gonna leave 
sort of um, the 3D of Earth. We're going to go into our neighboring, uh, our, we call it our cosmic neighborhood, right? You know, around Mars, our own moon, and, and, and what what's the truth about what's going on around us? So we're going to try to go in somewhat of a chronological order, um, start with some really interesting information, and then go into some deep, some deep topics after that. Now, many might not realize some of the amazing wonders that Mars has. Before we get into some of the, the deeper truths and some of these ancient secrets that we're going to discuss today, it'd be good to set the stage, kind of set the stage of our of our conscious understanding of what Mars is like. You know, what, how big is it? it, it what kind of... What kind of environments does it have? One of the things that people may not realize is that um, how extreme some of the natural features on the planet are for a planet as small as Mars. Mars is uh, quite a bit smaller than Earth, actually, and the diameter itself is less than 50% the size of Earth. But some of the features on the planet make, make Earth's features just you know, look like dwarfs. And, um, and we, I want to go over a couple of those things because it's pretty amazing to learn how unique uh, Mars, Mars climate and, and history was. And you can still see the remnants of that with ice caps on both the North and the South Poles. You know, whatever's left of you know, long ago past the, that used to have life and water flowing and all these things. Looking at Mars, you know, we, we know Mars is called a red planet, but, but why is it called a red planet? And that's something I think that gets a little bit lost to people, is that the reason why it's red actually is a clue to what occurred in the past. It's kind of amazing to learn about if you start just doing kind of, you know, some of the geeky stats, right? You learn about, well, what's the highest mountain in the solar system, right? Our, our entire solar system. And you actually find out it's on Mars. And it's, uh, it's a mountain called Olympus Mons. And it's 72,000 feet tall. So when you look at something like, you know, some of the highest mountains we have in the 20,000 foot range, this is this would make those look like anthills. And not, not only that, but... This is actually a massive shield volcano that extends in, in such a large diameter in an uh, area that actually can cover almost the entire country of France. This is a massive, massive mountain. Where is Mars? You know, what has happened to its climate in the past and its environments to lead to this, this kind of barren wasteland that we see today? And people may not realize that Mars actually has two moons uh, called Phobos and Deimos. And this heavy layer of iron oxide that's covered the planet is, is we're, we're going to actually look into why that is the way it is and the color that it is and see if that has some clues to, to what caused its own, its own destruction in the past. You hit it right on the head. There's a lot about Mars that people just don't know or understand based on how they've grown up and what they've been told through textbooks and TV, they believe it's just a, you know, a, a small ball of rock ice. <laughs> but it's totally something absolutely different. It's a living planet. It's still alive. Mars has an atmosphere. Uh, Mars has um, a lot of atmospheric gases, barometric pressure, and a lot of people wouldn't think that Mars uh, could possibly be 99 degrees at the equator in the summer. That's the highest temperature ever recorded by the Opportunity Rover at the equator in the summer. So when you put that all together, you go, wait a minute, 99 degrees? As a matter of fact, a few articles came out several years ago that showed that in the winter here on Earth, it was colder in Detroit than it was on Mars. Okay, so that gives you an idea. Uh, it's, it's a planet where it definitely can sustain life right now in terms of temperature at least. Also, we have Ballas Marineris, which is the largest trench 
in our solar system that we know of at this moment. This trench is so massive, uh, it's, it's like Mars Grand Canyon, what we have here on Earth. But the only thing is, this trench, in my opinion, was carved out by a massive cataclysm. And the massive cataclysm that I'm talking about is potentially what we see now are the remnants of an exploded planet, which we call the asteroid belt. In, in some ancient texts, it's called a hammer bracelet in the Sumerian tablet. It's mentioned in the Bible. So everybody knew of this, this uh, exploded planet in ancient times. It's even mentioned in the Enuma Elish. And basically, in the Enuma Elish, what happens is a planet called Tiamat, which, uh, from different perspectives, is a collision between uh, a satellite of a brown dwarf star that crashes into Tiamat and makes it explode. And from another perspective, it seems like an actual ancient war that probably happened and, uh, and this planet exploded. But what happened was Mars, according to Tom Van Flanden, which was an astrophysicist uh, who actually worked with NASA and at NASA, he, 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 he uh, said that he thinks that the moon I mean, that Mars was a moon of this Tiamat planet, this planet which was four times the size of Earth. And he based it on the trajectory that Mars' current orbit is in right now. It's the elliptical orbit, and based on the mathematics, you see that it would have to have been thrown into that orbit after the planetary body that is now the asteroid belt uh, exploded. Um, so with the side that faced Mars, the side of Mars that was facing that exploded planet is what's the most charred and the most gorgeous. On the other side of Mars that was obviously not facing that, they consider it, scientists consider it the smoothest surface of, the, of, of any planet in our solar system. So you can see there's evidence there that one side took a major hit, which then pulled the crust of Mars and shifted it probably about 45 degrees on its axis and probably causing all kinds of volcanic activity as well. And, and we're talking about something like a gash in the entire planet that was taken out, right? I mean, to give people some perspective, I don't know if anyone... I'm sure plenty of people listening to this have been to the Grand Canyon. You know, it's one of the largest canyons on Earth. And yet, if we were to try to get some perspective on, on, the, on this canyon that's on Mars, this canyon is six times deeper than the Grand Canyon. And it's, it's over a thousand miles longer. So this is clearly something that, you know, is this water erosion or is this a gash left over from some cataclysm in the past? Absolutely. I, I think more or less it's probably the second of the two. It seems like from that exploded planet, which is now the asteroid belt, I believe that that explosion uh, when Mars was obviously orbiting that, that potential planet. So, Billy, um, have you, in any of your research, have you delved into with some of the on and off prehistories on Mars? And what it, was it used for uh, a mining and smelting location for Earth? Have you seen anything with that? Well, you know, I'm doing a lot of research on on the, uh, the Anunnaki and the ETP working class. Uh, you know, going into the Encyclopedia Britannica, and Wikipedia references, and some other references to Anunnaki. Uh, even in books like um, uh, Gerald Clark's book, uh, and even some of Sitchin's work, it all seems to have the same perspective that there was a uh, a way station on Mars with a civilization of working class Anunnaki 
called the Ijiji that literally worked on cars, built a civilization there, and mined it for resources day in and day out, night and day. Uh, it was back-breaking labor, as a matter of fact. I mean, they really got to the point where they got so frustrated with the labor. Not only was it back-breaking labor, but they didn't even have any women. <laughs> and that got them really frustrated. And I think this might be part of a reference in the Bible in Genesis 6, where these Ijiji leave Mars and come to Earth and then circle uh, Hades and little camp and say that basically they're going to go to war with them they don't get any relief. Uh, but at the same time, they also took back with them some women's mirth. So uh, it's, a, it's an amazing story, and, and there's a couple different perspectives of it, but it really does appear that these Ajiji were working, mining on Mars, uh, uh, you know, for all different types of metals, not just gold, but many other types of metals. And they would also get shipments in from Earth for gold, and they would take that from Mars as a launching point to rendezvous back with uh, their orbiting planet. That's right, and, and that's and so people want to know to look into some of these these ancient tablets, look into some of the ancient Sumerian and Babylonian tablets where we, where they talk about some of this ancient prehistory of mining on both Earth and talking about beyond Earth and how Mars was possibly a way station in between Nibiru, between when they would go, you know, between gathering metals and resources and and this was the this is the point where they would, they would meet up and, and mars is a perfect location for that being yeah. so close to earth and so we're gonna we're gonna move out of kind of ancient ancient history and we're gonna go into some some new some newer evidence to look at because right now we we have a paradigm that exists um the, the book that i wrote called the illusion of us is based on the idea that there's this great illusion of our reality that exists. And, one, and that illusion is based on the fact that we're given a certain narrative of what's real and what's not. And one of those things that's very striking is that we're told we're the only, we're the only life that, that we know of, Earth itself, and there's no life we know of in the rest of the entire universe, right? It's all just empty, dead space. And, and that narrative has been followed very, very closely because of the power of religion and the power of the model of reality that's been controlled for so long here. And, and, and it's interesting, we see so many of these rover images and all these um, kind of teasing news articles that come out where they say, oh, we found microbial life, oh, never mind, we didn't. And, all, and they go back and forth for years now. If any, anybody wonders why that is, it's simply because the second that life, life was announced on another planet, it would cause a paradigm shift. So whatever you want to understand why they're controlling that is because of how powerful religion is with the idea that we're just kind of alone here and there's there's nothing else there. Because if someone was saying, well, there's, there's life on Mars, well, then it would lead to much bigger questions, right? Like, is there life anywhere else? And is there intelligent life anywhere else? And so you go down this rabbit hole, and that's what they're trying to avoid. Now, here... In 2014, we had the Mars rover that was, you know, walking around the surface of Mars. Some don't believe that was real, and some do. But let's go with the, let's go with the possibility that they're actually on Mars, and they, like they they say they were, and they captured this image right here. In this image, if you look closely in the circled area, you can see what is clear. Even for someone that doesn't, you know, study geology or anything, that, that there's some kind of a spiral shell there. If you do a little bit of research into what this spiral shell is, you find out that it actually exists on Earth as well. 
and it's called an ammonite fossil shell. And it's a very common fossil shell on Earth, but then you start to scratch your head and you're like, well, the same exact fossil is on Mars. So then you got to start asking some, some big questions. And that's where we're going to get into looking into well, what is the truth? What actually happened to Mars? Did it have life? Did it have intelligent life? And what actually occurred in those times? And to start, we're going to go back to the 1970s during the Viking probe missions. And this is kind of, this is where I think the great mysteries of Mars began. And those those mysteries begin in a place called Cydonia. Right, Billy? Absolutely. Right in Cydonia, man. This is an amazing 